If you like astrology, this is the episode for you. Today I got to spend time with my friend and astrologer, Ari Moshe Wolf. He shares his knowledge and wisdom of this upcoming eclipse season. There's a lot here to prepare you for what he says is a time of embracing the necessity for change. With clarity and compassion, Ari Moshe teaches astrology as a spiritual study that serves in our own soul evolution. His teachings are rooted in the lineage of evolutionary astrology as taught by Jeffrey Wolf Green. And he also deeply draws upon the wisdom teachings of A Course in Miracles and brings his music with him wherever he goes. To work with Ari Moshe, reach him through his website at arimoshe.com. Go ahead and have a listen here for the upcoming astrology podcast. Okay, hello. Good to see you. Um, I was noticing that you are one of my few repeat guests on the podcast. Okay, cool. And I looked back and what's that? When you first began, I was a guest, right? Yeah, you were uh, my third guest and it was literally almost exactly two years ago. So I thought that was kind of fun. And we talked, so if anyone wants to go back and listen to that one, we talked a lot about like van life, and like like father <laughs> like I know it's like centuries ago and like fatherhood and um more about kind of how you came into astrology and stuff and today um I was wanting hoping to focus on more of like a astrology forecast for the upcoming eclipse season um and I'm just gonna offer you the floor to kind of give us some insight on what's in store for us astrologically and what's coming up. Wonderful. Okay, so I wanna say two things first, which feels essential. When I look at events, astrological events, to me, it's very important, this perspective that one astrological event isn't better or worse, than any other astrological event. Like I don't look at the transits from the point of view of, is this a good time to do this? Is this a good time to do that? And while there are natural cycles and unfoldings for things, I really regard every experience as the same, every transit as the same. And the phrasing is these are all just different angles back within. So we're gonna be looking at a very, from one point of view, a pretty intense, uh, eclipse season and eclipse seasons maybe tend to have a little bit of intensity to them so on the level of like human experience there's a lot more potency um but it's just another day mm-hmm. and our intentions for life what we're working on what we're cultivating the opportunity to go within to seek self-knowledge and healing that's the same as every other day so when we look at these things we're going to frame and point everything back to how can we meet this with as much openness and receptivity and readiness to heal and to learn and to grow just like we would want to really approach every day in that way Mm -hmm. the second thing i want to say is before i speak to the specific uh transits coming up during this eclipse season i'd love to just give a couple minutes to just explain what an eclipse is 
it's easy to talk about things and not necessarily um, start at the beginning. And I think just a basic grasp of this would be very helpful. So eclipses are whenever a new moon or full moon happens, which happens every month, on the nodes of the moon. This happens twice a year. So the eclipse window will happen every six months. The nodes are a polarity. Thus, understanding the eclipses really means we have to understand the nodes. And the nodes, we can think of them as evolutionary portals. There's the south node of the moon, and there's the north node of the moon. The south node of the moon, moment to moment, speaks to dynamics from the past, seeds that have been planted, that are coming up now, right? The fruits of the past. And this can represent very easily challenging dynamics emerging right now that are calling us to integrate so we can meet it and actually move on from it. Or it can be sort of the ripened fruits of seeds that are maybe very beneficial, that are uh, seemingly gifting us. And really, whether it's beneficial or challenging, it's the same deal, right? Everything's coming up to be embraced and integrated. And sometimes that means here are some things to really further your own path because of past actions. And with the South Node, the point is, we're meeting it, we're integrating it, and we're letting it go. So there's a lot of closure that can happen with the South Node, but it's also very easy to get stuck, in particular with the challenging dynamics that come up with the South Node. Or almost like, um, there's a phrase that I'm forgetting, but taking our quote-unquote good karma for granted, where things are easy or flowing. Whether things are easy and flowing or difficult and challenging, from an evolutionary perspective, the question is the same what's the evolutionary path right now, right? What's, what's the invitation of this particular present moment? And the transiting North Node always offers the present moment evolutionary edge. It's where we have the opportunity to be making new choices and to be embracing our life experience with respect to our soul's ongoing evolutionary potential. So in general, there's a resonance with the North Node as new, something opening up, a new phase, new experience, um, seeing ourselves and seeing life in a new way. Mm -hmm. So with the transiting nodes, there's a portal, right? A lot of energy can be coming up. A lot of things can be coming into completion. A lot of dynamics can be moving forward very quickly. And then new opportunities or invitations can also be emerging at the same time. Since the moon's nodes correspond to the moon, which is emotion, right? How we emotionally integrate experience, it can be in general, the transiting nodes, very emotional, meaning anytime we look at the transiting nodes, we're actually looking at our self-identity, our self-image, how we feel safe and secure. Mm. When you look at the, the eclipse season, which is when the new moon and full moon happens on the nodes, it's heightened because the lunar cycle in general, that is our very natural human rhythm. I mean, these are the cycles of creative development and emotional integration. When mm. we have a new moon, when we have a dark moon, we're completing a cycle we're bringing things to closure and the new moon happens. It's a new time, a new phase is beginning and it's fresh and you can't even see the moon yet. The moon is just a sliver a couple days later and you start to feel something new emerging. Full moon is pregnant. There's a sense of creative fullness, harvest, development, right? These are the monthly cycles. And for those who are just attuned to that or track that in your own life, many of us know that experience. Just mm -hmm. That felt sense of that, yeah. I think all, 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 almost, not all, but almost all, in particular, the older ones, right? Um, like Islam, Judaism, 
um, and any indigenous culture, they all have something to do with like, like the lunar cycles are all recognized. There's all, you know, any, especially more nature-based cultures, it's just mm -hmm. there. So when you bring that to the eclipse, we're looking at the present monthly cycles of blossoming, development, creative movement and completion coinciding with this greater evolutionary process of the nodal axis. So that's heightened. One, it can feel like things are getting really real. Others, that there's a focus, there's an emphasis, <clears throat> a very tangible emphasis on the particular evolutionary theme as signified by the transiting nodes. And it can feel very volatile or very intense or very emotional. It can be extreme in all regards, right? Like a lot of new, exciting things opening up, but also a lot of challenging dynamics. Usually it's some combination of both. I find rarely is it like just one or the other. Like, so many of us during eclipse season, and I'm excited to like talk about this one, cause this is like, mm -hmm. um, many of us will tend to find like one seeming category or area of our life is like really growing and developing. Right. And then like another one is like really going through a lot of challenges and they're all connected and it's really not in a vacuum. Like you might have like a job promotion and now you're like challenged to work harder and apply yourself creatively more. And that feels really exciting. And then it's like your relationship or personal life is like falling apart, <laughs> but it's really just the same thing. It's like everything's moving forward to the next experience, the next step, whatever is relevant for our ongoing growth. Mm -hmm. So again, it's important not to give too much emphasis or value judgment on like the seemingly good and the seemingly bad, the challenging and the easy, because it's, it's dynamic and that happens constantly for us all. Mm -hmm. So if, if you feel open to it, unless you want to engage more on this, I can just talk about this particular eclipse season coming up. Yeah, I think that's great. I appreciate um, everything you said though, and like kind of creating that foundation for what you're now gonna, you know, go into more specifics. Wonderful. <clears throat> so we have in this eclipse season, a new moon happening at the end of Aries. This is 29 degrees Aries. So whenever something's happening at the very end of a sign, it's culminative. I get asked questions a lot, like what's the difference between, you know, a planet in the middle of the sign versus the end or the beginning. And in my own, and there's a lot of people that do a lot of studies at really qualify, qualifying the, the meaning, the difference of the different degrees or the different parts of a sign. In my own experience, the only parts of a sign that I've really tangibly noticed to have a particular quality of potency to them is the very end and the very beginning. That's just in my experience so far, and I can speak to it. The end does have a culminative quality to it. And I would say planets at the end of a sign in particular, well, any sign, um, even if it's a very fiery sign, have a sort of Piscean quality to it. It's, it's completing. It's bringing something to closure. It's ending. So 29 degrees Aries is bringing to closure the entire sign of Aries and the domain of consciousness we call Aries. So what else is going on in Aries? We have Jupiter that's been moving really quickly through Aries for the past few months is just maybe six or so degrees away from this new moon and is in its final month or so before entering Taurus. So we have not at the very end, but approaching the very end of its time in Aries is Jupiter on this new moon as well. 
right? Let's talk a little bit about what Aries corresponds to with Jupiter there with this new moon, and then we'll add the nodes and we'll bring it all together. <clears throat> Aries corresponds to conscious will and action. At first, this archetype does not act consciously. It's reactive. And the reactivity corresponds to a more gross level of consciousness wherein we're um, reacting to life stimulus that says, oh, I want that, or I don't want that, or that makes me uncomfortable, or I really want more of that. But as we act, as we become aware of consequence, we become aware of, okay, when, when I react that way, this happens. Right? When I just follow my craving or my aversion, I just you know, act unconsciously or instinctually in the moment, that leads to these things. If I put my hand in the socket, I'm going to get shocked. Mm -hmm. So we develop intelligence in Aries. And in that sense, over time, and this is true in our natal charts, and then when there are transits in Aries, over time, we develop more conscientiousness, more thoughtfulness, more awareness of not just the consequence of our action, but the why for the action. Where do I want to go? What's my sole purpose? What am I here to achieve? Like, what is it I'm trying to achieve in life? And that wisdom, that is what actually enables us to bring an immense amount of thoughtfulness and agency into our choices. It's what enables us to repress urges, um, to not just act upon an instinctual response, mm. is what enables more thoughtfulness and even time in considering, what do I want to do about this? And mm. The answer always is going to point back to where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? And to the mark of a maturation <clears throat> within the Aries archetype is that self-leadership, the soul level self-leadership. I'm paving the road of my soul journey by way of my thoughtful responses. That is in training, kind of like the archetype of a, a warrior in training or a soldier or anyone that's practicing any kind of art um, that uses their mind and their body and or any facet of their human experience. Um, to become more and more focused and refined and purposeful. You want to really be good at using your human experience purposefully. Now, Jupiter moving through Aries has been an incredibly important expression for the past few months. And it's really leading us to, and I've been saying this for a while, to this eclipse season, just before Jupiter enters Taurus. So Jupiter and Aries is new path, new adventure, new experience, lots of new content, lots of new insights, being faced with choices and obstacles and possibilities, maybe not knowing how to respond to it. Mm. Jupiter is wanting to bring more perspective. Here, try this. Hmm, that didn't work out. Try this. That didn't work out. Um, for the past several years, you've been doing this. You've been giving this a shot. How has that brought you? Jupiter can bring an immense amount of wisdom into any area of life. And so it's saying, Look with honesty at how things are going, where you are and where you want to be. Open up to a higher, more inclusive perspective. Be willing to walk it alone. Be willing to go somewhere you've never gone before. Be willing to try something new because we're entering into a phase very soon that feels like a profound turning point. So the transition from Aries to Taurus is this. I'm learning a lot about myself in Aries. I'm learning how to be, how to act, how to move through the world as a free being. In Taurus, I'm consolidating everything that I've learned 
according to my values. I'm eliminating randomness. Maybe I learned a lot in Aries, and there's always a learning curve in Aries where there's going to be some degree of some need, some level of need wherein we feel like we have to do something with all that energy. Just imagine like having a lot of energy, not knowing yourself very well, not knowing what to do with that energy. That's Aries. Mm-hmm. So there's always some degree to which we are needing to do something. Okay, if I don't just lash out, where do I go with this, right? Yeah. Uh, if I don't act on this, what do I do with it? And that's, the, that's sort of the existential stress in Aries. It needs, in a sense, to stay in motion. And Jupiter and Aries, again, is like, bring wisdom to it. Yes, yes, you have all this energy. And where do you really want to go? How can you really refine that and let it be a learning experience? Because there's a certain randomness in Aries that's just a part of the learning. Taurus comes along and says, refine it, slow down, simplify, mm-hmm. consolidate. And this says it's not about making choices necessarily in the way that we might think of it. Usually it's more about detracting our attention from the plethora of possibilities that we think we need in a perception of freedom and recognizing in simplification, in a greater consolidation and elimination of possibilities, we'll find more peace. But this says right now, at this transition point between Aries and Taurus, we're really at that crux, that that turning point of, wow, there's a lot that I don't quite see. I feel like there are some changes that need to be made, some core turning points. Something needs to be simplified. I need to consolidate. Here's a way to translate the way I feel this wilderness. The survival need within Taurus says to survive, to thrive, to be healthy even. We can't always be in movement. We need to be able to come back home and cook the meal that we hunted. You know, like we need to be able to stop fighting the war and actually live the life that the war served to protect. So there's a very important need within the Taurus archetype to actually feel like we're living a meaningful life. And so where there's stress and anxiety and almost this like vigilance to be in motion, Taurus wants to bring that in and say, it's time to actually shift all of this energy towards something meaningful. And that can feel difficult and stressful because we may not know what changes to make. Okay, so this new moon happening on the nodes, the nodes are in Taurus and Scorpio. So it's an out of sign eclipse. The north node is at four degrees Taurus and the new moon is at 29 degrees Aries. So they're just right next to each other. One's at the very beginning of Taurus, which has a freshness of energy. I mean, it's just like life, life, value, meaning, self-respect, self-value, and the other culminating this long journey of experience, trying new things out, gathering information along the way. So there are two things that I want to say when speaking to the energy of this particular eclipse. First, it's a new moon eclipse, right? New moon eclipse is another way of saying, um, from an astronomical point of view, we're going to see the moon crossing in front of the sun. And so for those who can see the eclipse, it looks like the sun is being eclipsed, right? It's being shadowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when it's a full moon, which will be two weeks later, it's going to be during the full moon. And you'll see the reflection of the light from the sun cast by a shadow of the earth onto the moon. So this is a solar eclipse on the North node. 
And one way to think of it, it's as if you're like pinching your skin. And for a moment, um, like it's white and then the blood rushes back. Mm -hmm. That rushing back of blood, and this is also like a healing technique when you do cupping, right? Yeah. Create a situation where in the rushing of blood, it actually allows for a replenishment to happen. But it can momentarily feel like there's a darkness or something's gone um, mm -hmm. or something's being taken away. The point is to not get emotionally reactive, embrace all of this as an invitation to radically awaken to a greater dimension of purpose and meaning and joy in our own life. Because that's the energy here, North Node and Taurus, ending of Aries. You're bringing something to completion here and beginning a brand new journey. And this might feel scary. There's an insecurity in Taurus relative to the survival instinct. Well, I don't want to consolidate or simplify or make these new choices or focus my energy just in this direction because in having all of these options open, um, I don't have to be afraid of insecurity. The Scorpio South Node says, let things go. Let things go. The going is necessary because we can't hold on to anything indefinitely and to actually live a meaningful life and be nourished by life there has to be a willingness to let go of our grasp. And one of the deeper teachings of this, the South Node in Scorpio in this case, especially with all this North Node emphasis, the South Node in Scorpio is going to be telling us, really allow what remains to remain. Don't try to control it. Don't even try to control yourself. Don't try to make yourself anything. Stay in the center. What's meant to stay will stay. What's meant to go will go. And sometimes... There's this teaching about letting go so that everything can come back later on in its own timing. But if we don't, and really that's true with everything, there's nothing that's really ever lost mm -hmm. in, in, in reality, right? The forms change, but there's, there's no separation in, in truth. So it's just the form and maybe the timing of appearances that change. And when we see that with some compassion, there's really nothing to fear. It's all okay. But where's the joy? And that's the important thing with all of the stressful new experiences and movement. And we're going to add Pluto in a moment. I'm just trying to take it step by step to not add too many dimensions at once. But Pluto's a player here. With all of the, the movement of the past several months, it's time to rest. It's time to create a life anchored in more joy, more simplicity. But it's probably not going to be the way we were trying to control it or organize it in our minds. This is how I would look at this culminating end of Aries eclipse new mood happening on the North Node in Taurus. The final dimension that I would piece in here is Pluto. Pluto is at zero degrees Aquarius and Aquarius is squaring this eclipse. It's very close to 90 degrees from both nodes and from this new moon. So what we'll say is Pluto is squaring this eclipse. I want to just add this important piece because it would not be a full and authentic look at the eclipse season without adding this dimension. Pluto will be squaring both eclipses. Pluto will be squaring the eclipse six months from now. So Pluto is a huge player this year. And I'll offer two perspectives about this Pluto. One put the clips aside for a moment, Pluto is square in the nodes. Pluto is square in the nodes for much of 2023. Any time a planet squares the nodes, 
it becomes a key evolutionary player. It's a key point of stress, pushing for conscious integration. Thus, Pluto is the core theme of 2023. And we'll find, if we look back, any time a planet squared a node, squared the nodes, for the months that it was squaring the nodes, that planet was really the highlight within consciousness. It's where the most work happens. And you really can't do the evolutionary work but through that planet because in a sense, it's like in, in between them. To do either node means you really have to work through that planet squaring the node. And so Pluto in Aquarius squaring the nodes speaks very strongly to this evolutionary process wherein we're called upon to accept the term evolutionary necessity, which is a very uncomfortable concept in the sense that evolutionary necessity says there's a movement of life experience beyond the threshold of what's comfortable and what you think you're ready for. It's just how it is. Sometimes a caterpillar is still comfortable or familiar with its world, but it needs to embrace evolutionary necessity, which says time to go into the chrysalis and do what you got to do. And sometimes the next step is getting out of the chrysalis, pushing your wings and flying. So whatever stage that is, and this is an ongoing process for much of this year, this is initiating what I've been talking about in many of my videos as the core evolutionary theme in 2023. It's really initiated through this eclipse, right? In just next week, April 19th. And the core evolutionary theme here is about embracing the necessity for change. And in that sense, we're becoming more soul identified, which is being identified with not the comings and the goings, but our essential individuality. Pluto in Aquarius says, you can't find belonging and purpose and direction in life according to precedent. Aquarius has to do with our vibration, our essential nature, our essential individuality as our, as our soul, not our self-concept, not our personality. And so how we perceive our life and where it's going very much is filtered through the filter of the precedent of the past, what we know and where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. We can't take that into this evolutionary transition, which is why things can feel very terrifying and scary. We might feel like, well, everything I've known is changing. Relative to the Scorpio-Taurus axis, yes, change is inevitable, but Taurus, um, let's focus on happiness. Let's focus on joy. Let's focus on contentment in a way that doesn't require control in the same way, right? Like I might love my water bottle, but this water bottle can break, can, well, this is a very indestructible brand. Wait, <laughs> those hydro flasks. This yeah, is yeah. But, um, Let's pretend it's a glass, yeah. It could break, I can lose it. I mean, it, you know, I, a giant could step on it. It can get run over by a car. <laughs> so obviously if my, my happiness can't be there, Mm -hmm. um, I might enjoy the experience of it, but to be able to meet the reality of change and impermanence means my happiness is in knowing who I am. And thus there will be the capacity to get a new one, right? Or open up to a new drinking tea experience. And oftentimes the loss or the shifting of a form will empower us to realize new possibilities and capacities that we never knew, thus enhancing the value of our life in ways that we didn't recognize could happen. And, you know, Pluto and Aquarius is also going to be bringing new community, new associations, new experiences, because 
when we're being ourselves and we're not holding on to the stories of the past, we attract new vibrational experiences that might seem shocking or unexpected, but really it's only because we've suppressed so much. We've suppressed so much of our own power, our own individuality, that we're not really used to life being that exciting and relevant and like, oh, I'm doing what feels so true to myself. Like, this is where I'm meant to be. What a good feeling. Like, I bless us to know that feeling. It's one of the most healthy feelings. I'm meant to be right here. Not in some kind of existential, like, I'm not meant to be somewhere else point of view, but more like, I know with my whole being that this is where my life is, right here, right now. I'm fully here and I don't want to be anywhere else. This is where all of creation comes together. And just to appreciate that, to have that full experience is always simultaneous to being free of any kind of expectation of outcome. It's a fascinating thing. Paradoxically, when we're really content and engaged with where we are, we're always going to be free of expectation and attachment to outcome. One implies the other. Where there's expectation and attachment to outcome is where actually we're truly not happy with ourselves now. And we're needing life to be a certain way for us to be happy. Most of us don't feel okay with ourselves. Like we're just walking around not feeling okay. And so we're really needing things to work out a certain way. And, and so we can't really ever just be ourselves or really find out who we are. So this is what this Pluto in Aquarius is about, focusing on the nodes. It's just really asking us to move forward, bringing it all together. Pluto in Aquarius squaring this nodal axis with this new moon in Aries on the north node in Taurus says, allow our attention to focus on the possibility of peace and contentment and a meaningful life now, simultaneously let go of any story of what that looks like. Hmm. Because that story might be getting in the way of what wants to happen. And if there's a, a process that we've been sensing, right? There might be a, a a recalibration or reorganization of the people, places, and things. We, it, it, that's all it is. Again, no law. It's just a reorganization of where everyone is. You know, it's like the the ecosystem of existence is one giant room. All you can really do is rearrange furniture. It's like <laughs> like the archetypes are all there. All of creation exists. It's actually all inside of us, and it's just a matter of not trying to. <clears throat> force things to be something that it isn't the natural unfolding of all relationships of all things as they're meant to be so that's the essence of this eclipse now if i were to sum up everything that i've said <laughs> one sentence it's relax let it happen don't get reactive trust the process there's a lot more. And if there's fear, just take a bath, spend your time <laughs> relaxing. Don't hide it from yourself. Don't repress it. Don't spray a nice thing over it. But just trust the process. I think this eclipse is the beginning of what I would identify as a very powerful 
um, really game-changing period of time. I think April and May is just really bringing new new shifts, new perspective, new changes, new opportunities. And you know, sometimes we need to really question. This is something that arises here. We really need to question our assumptions of what's okay and what's not okay. Like, oh, that can't, that, that I would never do that, or that's not allowed, or I would never allow you to do this. And sometimes like these really strong identity attachments of like never or always this, or it has to be this, really they're just masking a very strong attachment and a very strong vulnerability and fear. And sometimes life is just being very gentle with us and we don't, we're not being gentle with ourselves, but life is being gentle and just saying, try this, try it. Try the gefilte <laughs> fish. It won't hurt you. I will never eat anything that starts with a G. So just to be open to a simple recognition that underneath all of the attachment is just a story that we believe because we thought we needed to, because we thought we were something that we're not. And if we can recognize those things, even in like very seemingly hard, difficult, it's actually really relaxing. Oh, I believed something and it's not true. And our minds can open a lot more. So there's, I feel like there's, um, I feel like I want to let that be what it is. I don't want to go into more questions or anything. I feel like there was so much there to be with and yeah. I'm gonna likely go back and listen again uh, just to take it all in. And um, so there's a lot to work with there. And I really appreciate you bringing up this piece about not holding on to our stories from the past and bringing those in because that's something, especially in the work that I do as well, that's often, needs to be looked at deeply. And so it's it's helpful to know that this is gonna kind of support that transition into that space. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, something I often notice, it's, like an, it's an edge of learning for me, like where events or circumstances seem to be repeating themselves in life. Mm -hmm. There's something really amazing about beginning to see the events or the circum, even if it's like been like a you know, 20 years of circumstantial experience, right? Beginning it to see it with a lighter mind, you know, right? Even if it's been painful, right? Like having a lot more lightness in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. As if we're just having a dream about it. Mm -hmm. And it's a symbol. It's like a, it's like a tarot card with a bunch of archetypal symbols in it. And it just creates a little space from what we think it is um, and allows us to approach maybe more directly what it actually is. And the insight and the shift, um, the paradigm shift that becomes available comes when we're just willing to relax our mind a little bit. And I really want to just like offer that perspective at this time because it might feel stressful for some, but, and it might feel really real, like this is serious, but maybe it may just yeah. question that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that that's like that feels so pivotal, just like creating that space around it so that it can actually be what it is and not what we want to make of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like you said, there's so much growth that can come from that space. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel just to speak to it, I'm not going to go in depth, but in, this is the first of two eclipses. So there will be a full moon eclipse two weeks later. Mm -hmm. And it, it is just worth identifying some of the core 
um, you know, soul themes that are present during that. Um, at that time, we're going to have, <clears throat> I'm just pulling it up on my computer so I can just take a, a brief look at it. Um, this eclipse will involve Uranus, right? So basically, um, well, Mercury will also be retrograde and Jupiter is going to be closer to the end of Aries, but also the sun is going to be on Uranus. And without spending too much linear time articulating all the details, Uranus rules Aquarius where Pluto is, okay? So these, these revolutionary liberating themes of Pluto square in the nodes, I really think at the upcoming full moon, um, even more so. There, there's just a lot of <laughs> where our life is going and where stability and joy and sustenance and you know contentment arises. It may not be in the context that we thought it had to be. It's oftentimes an issue where we project a story of where our happiness will be. And we forget mm -hmm. that that story is a metaphor for the happiness that's within. And so new circumstances come together and we don't want to accept that we can still find that happiness and that it was never the specific conditions we believed life needed to give to us. So I just want to say that too. It's a very Uranian time. It's very much about liberating from the known, being open to a higher and more intelligent way of seeing the algorithm of life and what's unfolding just beyond our conditioning, beyond our story. Seems like a big theme of allowing for, for both. Yeah. And also getting like climb that mountain and like take time to see it from a bird's eye view. What's amazing about Uranus and Aquarius is we can actually begin to perceive the cycles of time from outside of time. This is where with very strong Uranian transits, many people begin to access long-term memory, be it of earlier in this lifetime or past lifetimes, or even memories of the future. It, there's, it's the same, right? Like time is sort of a yeah. template where we're having experience, but we exist. Our beingness is out of time, yeah. watching it, thinking it's in it. It's, yeah. <laughs> and so we can, we can access more of that eternal witness consciousness and then kind of begin to understand all the dynamics unfolding and what they represent, what their symbology is all about. And it's liberating. We begin to take things a lot less personally. So I think whatever practices we all engage in, whatever our own personal cultivation is, and the ways that we're each guided to just develop and grow ourselves, this is really a great time to just nurture that quality, that dimension of spaciousness and relaxation and witness consciousness. Even if things are stressful and hard, I think this is a beautiful thing and an honorable thing to give priority to. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, if it feels very aligned and also supportive to me to hear it. So I'm excited to kind of go into the season with a little more of that support around and, and understanding as things come up, you know, and I can kind of have that gentleness around it. So, so as far as working with you, what offers do you have available right now? Great. So I offer intuitive guidance sessions and I also offer what I call soul to soul companionship. That's a way of working with me more long-term. Um, and these are also discounted sessions. We have the opportunity to just deepen together and just form more of a soul intimacy. All of that is available on my website. I also work with couples doing composite and synergy work. 
And in terms of classes, I am currently teaching my full year training program. Enrollment just closed for that, but anyone can enroll in the self-study program anytime and upgrade to any of the future life courses if you choose to join. And you can check all that out on my homepage. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Wilderness. My pleasure. Thank you.